0: Well, central banks are increasingly cautious, it seems. We've seen that from Fed speakers and in the FRMC Minutes this morning. But maybe a little less caution from the RBA's Christopher Kent yesterday. We'll talk about that. But if most central banks seem to be lowering the chance of lifting rates, stocks aren't bouncing back up like you might, because one place where there isn't caution right now is in Gaza, where Hamas continues to shoot at Israel targets and Israel in return. Uh, so oil prices are falling. Uh, we still have to wait and see how far all of that escalates. It's Thursday the 12th of October 2023 it's the morning call from now. good morning Well, bond yields are down again, a drop of 8 basis points on 10-year treasuries to 4.57%, but down 12 basis points at one stage. 10-year gilts are down, 10 basis points. Down 6 in Germany and much of the rest of Europe. Aussie 10 years were down to 4.43% yesterday, now in futures down to around 4.37%. That is actually 32 basis points lower than the peak that we hit earlier this month. So that shows just how much yields are moving. The US dollar dipped a bit today, down about 0.3%, then it bounced back up again, Uh, It's ever so slightly down on where it was yesterday right now. But the Aussie has responded maybe to the risk-off mood. It's down 0.3%, just over 64 US cents. The pound is is up 0.2%, the euro is also up a little, the yen is down a third of 1%, and oil prices have been hit further, 2.3% off WTI, 1.5% lower for Brent, a bit all over the pace in the last few hours uh, for oil, and stocks were down for most of the session, but finished well in the green in the US, up 0.4% for the S&P, 0.7% for the Nasdaq, the Dow creeping into the green in the last hour of trade, and finished 0.2% up, meanwhile the DAX managed to climb a quarter percent at Close and just 0.1% fall for the Eurostox 50 and the FTSE 100. So, a minor inflation surprise yesterday on producer prices. The core PPI month-on-month month was up 0.3%. That's 2.7% year-on-year, year, which is a slight rise on 2.5% last month. Uh, Nabs Tapper Strickland joins me in Sydney. So, a rise in producer prices. Is that a concern ahead of the uh, CPI number, which we're, we're just hours away from now? Uh, what did you make of those numbers?
1: Good morning, Phil. Yes, that US PPI number was a bit of a dog's breakfast of a report, but it certainly had markets reacting a little bit. You did see bond yields um, heading lower um, into that report, uh, and then you did see a little bit of retracement of those moves, and they were further extended after the FLMC minutes that came out uh, last night as well. Uh, in terms of the PPI itself, uh, headline was certainly hotter at 0.5% month to month versus uh, 0.3% expected, but that was really boosted by that 3.3% jump in energy prices, and energy prices since then have. Uh, come back down and it is interesting overnight that uh, both Brent and WTI are down by about uh, 1 or 1.5% one and, and there
0: have been some signs um, that uh, Well more than, more than that now about, uh, how much, of, a lot of that is going to be down to the wall though isn't it? Yes and it, there was an interesting New York Times article
1: that reported uh, US intelligence showed that Iran was surprised by Hamas's attack on Israel and that may reduce the chances of additional sanctions on Iranian oil and help prevent that nation and its uh, proxies being drawn into a wider conflict there. So the potential disruptions to global oil markets don't uh, seem to be playing out. Um, and if that continues, uh, then obviously that would be encouraging in terms of the outlook for oil, which in terms of the actual physical market for oil remains re- relatively tight. Um, so putting aside the energy, um, when you look at uh, excluding food and energy, um, it, uh, US PPI beat by 10th. And then that one 10th beat was actually driven by a um, pretty large jump in trade services margins effectively. Um, And Mm -hmm. uh, that seems a little bit unusual to us. So when you actually exclude trade services, the PPI was being in line at 0.2%. So nothing much to get too carried away. But in a market where there has been a lot of uh, probably short covering in terms of bonds, um, that did lead to a little bit
0: of reversal. Well, I mean, there was quite a bit of market manoeuvring up to the FRMC minutes as well, wasn't there? I mean, as you say, the, the gap between that and the FRMC, uh, I don't know, is it algorithms running as we approach these things rather than people? But anyway, it did say, you know, restrictive policy is in place till inflation eases. That is not world chattering news, is it? We're going to, it basically, they're saying we're going to keep doing what we do till we don't need to do it anymore, uh, is basically what they're saying. So proceed carefully, I think, were the exact words they used. But was there anything else in it, really? There, there wasn't that much in it from, from my
1: perspective when I was looking at it. And indeed, you'd have to say it's been superseded, really by recent Fed talk. And uh, one of the Fed uh, governors was out last night, Fed Governor Waller, and he basically said the central bank can be in watch and see mode uh, and just see what happens with this tightening in financial conditions that has occurred recently. And he repeated the line that financial markets are tightening up and they're going to do some of the work for us. So uh, I was just looking at uh, market probability in terms of pricing for Fed funds, hikes, it's extremely low. There's only 1.9 basis points now priced for November and a cumulative of 7.6 basis points priced for December. So a very low chance, at least in terms of markets, uh, in terms of uh, the Fed um, hiking by another one. And that's primarily due to a lot of the Fed rhetoric that we have heard so far. And uh, the Wall Street Journal's, um, Fed whisperer Nick Timurayos penned an article the day before yesterday, uh, just reiterating all those points uh, recently by Fed officials, just saying that tightening in financial conditions, um, the lift in yields, if it's driven by the term premium, then that's probably doing some of the work
0: for the Fed. Right. Uh Janet Yellen's been talking a bit over the last 24 hours as well. She apparently said the war between Israel and Hamas is unlikely to have a significant impact on the global economy. So maybe uh, markets will start to ignore it. But she also said that the US could impose additional sanctions against Iran if they found that they're involved in the attack on Israel, which, uh, I mean, I hear what you're saying about, uh, you know, supposedly Israel, uh, Iran saying it was surprised but that, that that Hamas had launched this attack. But you'd have to question, if they, if they weren't getting help from, from Iran, where were they getting the help from? Because it seems unlikely that they will have concocted all of this. In basements uh, in uh, in the Gaza, uh, without anyone discovering. But anyway, uh, we'll we'll wait and see how that comes out. But uh, back to central banks moving slowly. So Christopher Kent uh, gave his channels of transmission speech yesterday, and uh, yeah, most central banks, of course, are, are now sort of giving that message that well, it's the, ch- the the delay in those channels of transmission, which means we've got to wait and see, which is why we might hold off uh, lifting rates. So. Is he saying the same thing, giving reasons why, you know, not to hike anymore because of the lag effect?
1: It's a really interesting speech, and I'm not sure if I'd go to the extent that he gave um, reasons why he wouldn't hike again. Um, If That's maybe one way you could um, interpret some of his discussion. But uh, the real takeaway for me was actually in the Q&A, and I was lucky to be in the audience for that. And uh, to me, actually, the speech in the Q&A really – to me exemplifies the risk that the rba is not done yet and uh, not only could they hike in november as is nab's central view But the probability of another hike on top of that, I think is starting to grow. And uh, when you look at financial markets, they're not pricing too much in the way for for the hikes, really being dragged about what's going on in the US, especially that um, potential tightening financial conditions in the US. But Chris Kent made a few interesting observations there, um, saying he's not too concerned about that lift. Um, Most of the borrowing in Australia is done at the variable rate or the very short end of the curve. Um, So that movement in the longer end rates doesn't have as big impact in Australia. So that's, I thought was interesting. Um, The second one was, um, I asked him a question on, um, if you take all the channels of transmission, and there's five of them, um, broadly speaking, um, for a given change in the cash rate, is that in terms of its impact on uh, activity and inflation, is that similar to other countries? And uh, Chris Kent said, yes. He said, the impact of all those channels uh, for a given uh, increase in the cash rate is pretty similar to what you'd see in the US Uh, what you'd see in the UK, what you'd see in Canada. So the natural conclusion from that is if inflation in Australia is high, and this is quite important because we get Q3 CPI soon, um, and higher than elsewhere, and our cash rate is actually lower than elsewhere, then um, there are some legitimate grounds for why you may want to take out more insurance in terms of further rate hikes. Um, he also made two further points. Um, he said wages growth at the moment is only consistent with that target inflation. If productivity picks up and we all know that productivity actually fell quite sharply in Q2 in, in, in Australia. And uh He also said you can't measure productivity well in real time. So you actually need to infer that from trends such as other sources, such as the CPI itself. And when we looked at the August monthly CPI indicator, it showed very sticky services inflation. So I think it does suggest productivity is not picking up in Australia, at least in Q3. And then uh, finally, for markets, and markets have been really focused in Australia about hopes of QT and indeed some observers in in the markets um, noted that the market had been trading as if they thought the RBA would announce some kind of active QT program uh, but interestingly um, assistant governor Kent said we don't have any current plans to sell bonds to pursue what's called active Cutie. And uh, he said, it's not about financial conditions. Uh, the RBA has an instrument. It's called the cash rate. Uh, and you can move that around as you need to, to tighten financial conditions. And the board isn't really going in that way at the moment. Um, so that's a little bit of a pushback from all that kind of talk around uh, the potential for active QT
0: right now one of the benefits of being a bank of course is that you can analyze a lot of transactions data all aggregated up of course we have not been peering into your bank accounts but we had some of those numbers uh, yesterday so interesting stuff in there what, did, what what what's in what can you tell us Oh, that's very interesting.
1: Uh, So the main thesis in Australia is, uh, as you know before, the lift in monetary policy is affecting households through the household cash flow channel. And so consumption growth is slowing. Uh, This data suggests consumption growth is actually pretty resilient. And uh, on our figures, total spending rose 0.3% month-to-month in September after a rise of 1.4% in August. And that August number was actually revised up from 0.8%. So with all those revisions, total spending is now... 8.6% higher year on year. To me, that doesn't really strike me as uh, an economy that's actually slowing by all that much, and so it does show that the normal side of the economy is continuing to grow relatively strongly, even if the real side of the economy is a little bit soft because of all the inflation we have been seeing. So, another reason for why you may need tighter monetary policy. And then finally, NAB also um, released its Q3 uh, CPI preview, and feel free, our listeners, uh, to e- email me if you would like a copy of that report if it hasn't hit your inbox. Um, NAB is expecting. Q3 CPI to rise 1.1% Q on Q on both the headline and trim measure. Uh, That would be two tenths above the RBA 0.9% forecast back in the August Somp for trim mean. But more interestingly, we uh, started to look at what the next quarter's inflation. So what Q4 could be. And on the year on year, our estimate is that inflation would be four tenths higher than the RBA's forecast by the end of 2023. Uh, and uh, at 4.3% year-on-year versus 3.9% year-on-year. So that pace of disinflation that the RBA is hoping to see, I think that is going to be slower, and the RBA's forecast of getting inflation back in a reasonable time back to target is going to be challenged. So in our view, uh, the RBA uh, will probably lift rates in November, and then if they do lift rates in November, I think Mm. from a market perspective, you have to start to ask the question, do they go
0: again? After that. Wow, you're throwing this on us, uh, Tapas, that we might have two more hikes coming from the RBA. Look, uh, let's see where the UK goes as well. They've got their GDP numbers out. The three month average to August is out later on, which is expected to move from 0.2% just to 0.3%, giving them a year on year growth of half a percent. But of course, we know that the UK often surprises. So, um, I mean, could this be an upside surprise again today?
1: There is a potential, and you have to remember July was pretty weather impacted um so you'd expect to bounce so i'd say there's probably a bit of upside risk really um just given that there did seem to be some pretty notable weather effects there Uh, the resiliency in the uk economy indeed in uh, most economies globally i think is just really fascinating and i guess it's hard to explain in some sense but um you just have to think the nominal side of the economy is doing relatively well um and so uh, yes inflation is high uh, but nominal growth is still very strong
0: Yeah. So does that mean the US inflation could surprise then? I mean, it's expected to come down a bit, isn't it, from 3.7% last time for the headline uh, and 4.3% last time for the core. But is there a danger that that doesn't happen?
1: There is a potential for the danger. But the thing we're looking at is over the past three months, there has been a noticeable deceleration in inflation. And the key will be whether that continues. Uh, Chair Powell noted in his September press conference, the Fed was looking at the six-month annualized. So another good print here would make it four out of six prints. Um, So uh, I think it's going to be quite important in terms of what um, core CPI prints at tonight. If it prints low, then I think we're talking possibly a different state in terms of what the Fed is looking at compared to what they were looking at back in September when they came out relatively hawkish on, on, on their forecast. So
0: Very important to watch there. And of course, we get US jobless claims and we also get a few Fed speakers as well. Yeah, well, speaking about speakers, uh, we know now it's not going to be Kevin McCarthy doing a comeback tour uh, for the Speaker for the House, uh, the Republican leader. Uh, That has uh, has been a bit of an argy-bargy on choosing that speaker. We should know uh, in the next few hours, but it's it's not going to be Kevin McCarthy. So perhaps that increases the likelihood of a government shutdown next month, but that's a way off. Uh, And also today, possibly, maybe tomorrow, new Wuhan loans in China are expected to see a bit more of that, which would be encouraging, but not as much as, the you know, the massive stimulus that we were talking about yesterday. Uh, but uh, all of that to come. But that's enough for now, I think. Good to talk, Tapas. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And tomorrow morning, the morning call comes from Paris. So get some croissants in so you can have a coffee and share the mood. And then tomorrow afternoon, the weekend edition is going to feature Diane Somerville from Deloitte talking about the growth of Australian superannuation, consolidation that's happening within the industry and the impacts of COVID as well. A bit of a deep dive into superannuation. That's tomorrow for the weekend edition. I'm Phil Dobby from Paris tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.